Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bash, your host, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Here's a headline. New Haven is not asleep. Like you might think everyone forgot about politics except for the whole crazy president thing. But in fact, there's a group of people in New Haven who are making some trouble as we go into a new year. They're running for an office you might not think is a troublemaking office. You might think it's an office you might not have even heard of. Ward co-chair. Democratic Party ward co-chair. But in fact, there's a whole slate of people who are running for a position in the Democratic Party as part of something they're calling the New Haven Agenda. We're going to figure out who they are and why in this episode. Welcome to Jason Bartlett, the kind of conspirator behind the whole thing, and Sharon Braz. Did I say your last name right? You did. Sharon Braz, one of the, once 15, but I heard the numbers changed, people who are challenging Democratic Party leaders for who gets to be ward-level officials of the party. Welcome, folks. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. It's always fun having Jason. Jason has a long history in state and local politics and youth work and knowing how the system works from the inside and the outside, running mayoral campaigns. So, Jason, that's true, actually. You've run, like, incumbent campaigns. You've run challenger campaigns, the 1990, uh, 1999 Jim Newton campaign, which was a lot of fun. A lot of people still have the Monopoly board. You sent everyone with, like, scandal stories at each place about corruption in city government. That was that's definitely correct. one of your high points. Yeah, That's one of my best. So now you're back putting to something called the New Haven Agenda, where you've gotten a bunch of people to file papers to run become Democratic Party ward co-chairs in March. Why? And what is this all about? Well, I guess get close to Mike. We have to engage, right? Um, we have to have voice, community voice. And I think that it's been very unitary. It's been very monolithic. Um, people don't step up. They don't want to run. Um, they don't understand the process. So this is a way to educate um, a whole group of people on how how democracy actually works in our city. Mm-hmm. Um, the Democratic Town Committee actually elects or nominates, I should say, um, every public official that gets to run. So your state representatives, your state senator, your congresspeople, your governor, all your constitutionals, your alders, your mayor, the board of education. And if people aren't engaged in terms of what direction the party's going into, then the party can kind of go adrift. And I just always think you have to run, you have to hold people accountable, um, you have to challenge um, philosophy and just talk about, get involved with your community in order to get the best results uh, Mm -hmm. for your constituents. And so uh, I thought it was time... Um, we should have, we should have candidates every single election running for the democratic town committee. It should not be, um, just, uh, somebody appoints and says you're it and you never have to, uh, work because number one, if you're not challenged and you're not working to get elected, then guess what? When we want to get a new mayor or somebody comes along and they're running for a seat, you know, those people can just be pretty lethargic on that. Democratic Town Committee. They may not even know the process themselves because they've so never tell, had to let's engage. Let's tell people a little bit about it, get in the weeds a bit. So right. we have 30 wards in New Haven. Mm-hmm. What's so interesting to me is often people will be identified as, I'm the Ward 16 co-chair. But in fact, we do technically have two parties. There's the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. And this is not a government position. This yeah. is a position to be one of two people who are in charge of the party's committee in that ward. And as Jason, I think, alluded to, they technically 
have only one job, right? They go to conventions and they cast votes at conventions for who will be the Democratic Party nominee to run for mayor, state legislature, Congress, governor, not even governor, right? I guess they... Yeah, governor. They go to the convention. We have the most delegates to the state Oh, you convention. become a delegate to the convention. Right. So it's really just... That's what people sometimes forget about because people feel very important having these jobs sometimes. It's not paid. And, and, and some people do more with it. Like in Westville... They really organize people to work on elections. They work. They have a big team there that, like you know, they let people vote before they decide to go vote. But normally, well, each chair extends that town committee because they appoint fifteen people apiece in their ward. So if Sharon wins, you get to get fifteen people that you appoint to the ward committee, and then the other co-chair does the same thing. And do and the ward committees? Members, then they don't choose the ward co-chair. It's, it's an election, right? No, all the members of the Democratic Party get to choose in the primary on March 5th. So everyone gets to vote on March 5th for their two ward co-chairs. But in their but ward, after like that, everyone in, in, in um, Sharon's ward, uh-huh. which is 18. Yes. Any Democrat registered on March 5th can go to an election and vote for who their ward co-chair should be. Correct. correct. So what about the 30 who are on the committee? What do they do? So Sharon gets to appoint her... 15 on her side, the other co-chair appoints. And then those folks, <clears throat> well, they did what we just, we just went through the exercise with the last mayoral election, right? So they host uh, forums in their ward. They decide how to instruct those co-chairs often how to vote. But it's not binding. A co-chair can ignore. No. Now That's in Ward 25, they agree that on the first ballot, they voluntarily agree we'll do what the ward is. So then when Tony Harp ran against I believe it was the first time in 2013 against a bunch of other people, if I'm not mistaken. Mike Slattery, who was the co-chair, said, I'm for Justin Elliker, but the ward committee voted for Harp. Do I have this right? Mm-hmm. So on the first ballot, I will agree to vote for Harp. But that's pretty unusual, right? You can't usually get 60 people to a ward committee meeting or 30, can you? Except in West Rock and Westville. Well, I mean, it depends. That's why you should have elections for ward co-chair. Because mm-hmm. if the ward co-chair isn't engaging the people on the ward committee... It's not going to happen. Some people don't engage on purpose. They want their own vote. They don't want to ask anyone else what they think, and they just go and do whatever they're going to do. If you really believe in democracy and you're really trying to represent your ward, um, I'm in Ward 6, so if I'm trying to represent the Hill and and now it's a little bit changed, uh, and to some of downtown, you know, you got to get out there. You got to talk to people. I got to go to Union Avenue and talk to people in Union Avenue, find a captain for that building so that they engage all the Democrats in the building. I guess some people who stand at a distance say, and like obviously I'm asking this as devil's advocate because I feel very differently given that I work at a local news organization. Most people say, why do you care so much about like who gets to be one of 60 people nominating a party nominee every two years to then like, if there's it, goes, a primary. it goes to ballot access. So in the last election, nobody was able to get uh, enough votes to primary. In the state, we're going to have a convention for state rep, for state senate. You got to get 15% of the delegates in order to mm. automatically get on. Otherwise, you got to go out and get you know a couple thousand signatures to get on the ballot. So it matters uh, in that regard to have some complexity to your town committee to have different voices on the town committee. Now, so, some that, pe- so the last time, and tell me if I'm wrong, the last time in New Haven that anyone really paid attention on an organized way to who's on the town committee was 2011. 
the Yale Union Unite here decided we're going to take over the local legislature. And that's not like an evil thing, right, necessarily. They're saying we want to have a pro-union agenda in the city, and we're going to make it's a difference here. It's not evil? Well, we'll get to whether it's evil or not. Okay. They said in 2011, <laughs> they were very open about it after we forced them to, when they all started showing up in every ward and pretending it wasn't coordinated, and they admitted it was coordinated, and they said, well, actually, unions want to be involved. Mm-hmm. So after they won the Board of Alders, they then, that March fielded a lot of candidates for Democratic Town Committee, and they became the Democratic Town Committee. Right. So it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's 12 years later that's the first time any organized effort is to take over. Yes. I want. I encouraged uh, Mayor Harp after she got elected to get a little bit more people on the Democratic Town Committee to have you know, more representation. But she was comfortable with, she even told them, I won't run for mayor unless you just do all the work for me. No, she never said that. Yes, she did. It, it, she did no, not agree to run in, in 2013 unless they were willing to. Well, I've never heard that before, and I was pretty close okay. to everything. I didn't actually, blame her. Actually, she, what nice, happened, she was doing a good job as state you know, senator, I, and they said, we're desperate. We can't let that's Henry not how Fernandez went, that's become That's not how the it mayor. went down, Paul. Yeah. You're, you're, you have your own version of history there. <laughs> uh, I, I'll remind you that she won the nomination at the convention, and they didn't turn in the paperwork. I do remember that. Okay. And I remember well, that I was there and, at the office and, the next day when everyone was ma- lined up many to have people, the signature. I won't speak for uh, Madam Mayor Harp, but many people felt that the union did that on purpose. So they would need her when so they that, went in. So that she would recognize that, they, that she needed them. And I but believe the person, that was the but beginning the, but the of a lot who, of conflict. In terms oh, that's so interesting. But the person who didn't hand in those papers was not a local 34 person, was not a Unite Here person. Well... We went into we were we went into a back room to decide who was going to take the blame on that. Um, oh, and that person took the blame. But isn't that wasn't that person the charge of the party? So that the person chair was of the party, Vinnie Morrow, took the blame. That that didn't necessarily was mean it chair? was Vinnie Moore. Yeah, Ch- Vinnie was, was not the chair. Well, Vinnie took the blame. Let's put it that way. Jack and James was the chair of the party. Vinnie took the blame. I remember Connecticut Capital Report and mm-hmm. said Vinnie Morrow. But I remember being at the office where where. Jackie James said, I'm sorry, I forgot to do that. And Ellie Greer was giving her a hard time because there was a racial thing involved. Like, I was in the back room, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's really clear to myself or to Mayor Harp who didn't turn in the petition. I mean, who didn't turn in the form. But I know that most people close to Mayor Harp feel that that was done. Right, I purpose. understand. I remember that theory. You know why that theory made no sense to me, Jason? I guess we're going in the waves, weeds. <laughs> because they already knew that Unite Here was responsible for who won the convention. She won the convention. Unite Here controlled yeah, all the votes of the convention. You want to send a message so of course to they needed because, her. Listen, I wasn't supposed to be the campaign manager. There was a massive campaign before I ever came to New Haven not to let me be the campaign manager. I was told I could only be the campaign coordinator. And I had no idea why. And it was because the union wanted to control the campaign they did not want someone like me to be in control of the campaign now look what they have 12 years later jason bartlett organizing new haven agenda (laughs) trying to get 14 now or 15 i think there's still 16 or 17 well you filed for 15 well we well but we added a couple like uh i have a running mate now he wasn't in the original what does running mate mean oh in ward six right so we have two people All right, and we guess we'll get all those names later, but we're talking about wide run. So I got a little in the weeds in history now, but there was one other effort to have a slate, and that was after Unite Here took over the Board of Alders and the party, and by the time they were open about it, I thought it was fine to be open about it. They said, you know, legislative branch can have a lot of power. We're going to exercise it. If they hadn't done that, we would be back in the Stone Age with our police department right now because they were able to stop the Ellerick administration from having the Proud Boys running the police department again by rejecting one of their police chiefs 
And they were only able to do that because they took control of the party to charter vision to give the legislature the oversight about who gets, you know, have to approve a nomination for police chief. I mean, that is how the system worked. Well, listen, Unite Here has done great things in New Haven. There's no two ways about it. I don't, nobody's mm-hmm. trying to say they haven't. I think what we are trying to say is you have to have more than one special interest um, pulling the you know the levers of government, mm-hmm. and um, that hasn't happened in twelve years. As you, you actually just made the case, nobody's mm-hmm. run. Um, they they control the town committee. Most people don't know this. They control the town committee. They control the board of alders, and they have, I think, undue influence on the office of the mayor. And I'll add that they also have a lot of influence over planning and zoning uh, types of committees and, uh, and the other the other subcommittees that, that make policy in the city. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, and, 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 and it has its own chill, because if you're not coming from that particular circle, there's a chill effect. People don't want to participate. People don't want to stand with a candidate. People don't want to run. Uh, people don't want to speak up at a public meeting. Uh, alders that have been elected um, also don't speak up. They, they, they're told to speak up privately in the caucus, but don't speak up on the floor. We have That's noticed not democracy. That. We have, have noticed that, that they don't, don't allow people to disagree sometimes about like when Daniel Greer was getting city aid while he was in prison for sexual abuse of kids and they wanted to give him more city money, city approved money to continue to control buildings. And you say sometimes, but I can't remember. I mean, the, what's his name? Michael, the attorney, uh, Pinto. no, the attorney out of uh, Michael. We're going to talk about him. Yes. At a East rock. He was really the only one who had like a voice. Um, and you were in the Harp administration. You didn't like that very much. Of course we didn't like it, but, but you know what? I like it as a, as somebody who's participated in democracy. I was a state representative and we had to deal with the Republicans all the time. Not that I didn't like it. Like, Oh, I didn't think he should speak. You know, we had to work. It made the Harp administration work. It made the leadership. Tony did say that. Tony Harp you know, did say, it like, makes I'm you listening better. to, yeah. You don't, you don't just go through two years of your morality and not have anyone say you're not doing right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, Mayor Elliker has done plenty of things wrong, but everything's, you know, swept under the, under the rug. And that's just not good what for the community. What are some of things? Well, I mean, he did lose $6 million and people act like he's not had a scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a scandal. Uh, you You're know, talking about the board of ed got hacked. <laughs> Doesn't everybody get hacked? It, it's not really a hack. Oh, it wasn't uh, a hack. My understanding, it's not. A, it wasn't a hack. Well, someone pretended to be was, the contractor that got a hold of the. Email. Listen, he didn't have a. Uh, Tony Harp would have never gotten away with not appointing controller of the city and then six million dollars disappearing. Okay, mm-hmm. so you start there. That's the beginning of a bigger story. So you could put out any little. Uh, story you want but that that's a problem mm-hmm. um, there's been plenty of other things uh, that should be questioned the taxes you know uh, harp got killed she pr- probably 11 percent tax increase in one right. year because she went and spread it over two years right. so well you know what election. justin did 10 times more and had more money coming in i when mean did he, I did think- t- he did a 110 percent tax increase he had huge tax increases under huge. after reassessment in certain parts of the city. 
And nobody Jason, talks about that. was a very that. intellectually dishonest statement you just made. Wow. Tony, 11% tax increase on average for the whole city is very different from a 1% tax increase that because there's every every time there's well, reevaluation, some Goldenberg go up, made some the go arguments down. And nobody questioned them. In fact, because Goldberg's arguments made no sense. They made it was sense. A totally I watched argument. the debate. And Elliker said, <laughs> and Elliker said he couldn't. There was nothing he could do about it. That's not true. Elliker was wrong. But Goldberg was acting like, oh, no, I agree. Elliker's full of shit half the time. But I mean, like, but, but the argument was so weak because anytime you have a reassessment, My point some is, people's taxes Mr. go up, some Elliker go down. That's not an increase. supposed to be a financial conservative, and he went and hired over 80 employees, okay, full-time employees on top of what Harp had. He lost $6 million. He never got a controller, and he raised taxes. And people act like somehow he's still a financial conservative. He is not. Did he ever say he was a fiscal conservative? No, but he ran his race. I don't race. remember that word. He was... I can't believe you had me defending the mayor of New Haven. Wow. Okay, keep going. You, you did a good job over the years. Defending <laughs> him, you're, you're missing which mayor. Anyway, Dateline New Haven, <laughs> WNHS. We're talking about the New Haven agenda. X number of people are going to get the number at some point running for t- ward coach here. One of them is Sharon Braz. Well, I just met. It was so nice to meet you, Sharon. I'm sorry. Jason and I have so many years that we could just talk forever, and I didn't mean to leave you out of the room. So, Sharon, you're one of the more than a dozen people who have decided to get involved in local politics and run in Ward 18 as Ward Co Chair. Why? Well, I think one of the most uh, important things to me is that what I heard from individuals when I was gathering uh, petition signatures was that they felt very left out, that there hadn't been a great deal of communication between people um, who were in power to make changes. And there are a lot of issues in Ward 18 that should be addressed. While I understand that our major role in the town committee is the nomination of individuals for office, both Zalima, Zalima Harris is my Mm co-chair, and she's just this really extraordinary oh so you have a two-person team in order yes and she's a just as extraordinary young woman well to your point to jason's issues matter if you're talking about who you're going to nominate for office it means you're going to be talking about issues right and you want to ask people about issues and by the way jason i always give you a hard time but your point is very well taken i mean like you need to have opposition in government always so that you get questioned about everything including why six million dollars disappeared including why you didn't have a controller for all those years because he was trying to be a fiscal conservative could be jobs but that's okay you're saying it had consequences because six million dollars why else would it be well it certainly no would have helped the school why, district i have no idea why you wouldn't i mean why you wouldn't hire a controller to you have save someone, money you had, that's that's you had a absurd director, there's all kinds of other yeah you have two one person doing two jobs and that you, and you, yeah. you lose okay. stuff so to your point it's so important in government and democracy to have people giving a different view on these issues what kind of issues in ward 18 have hit you well Obviously, one of the the major issues is the airport, Tweed Airport. Um, another I- <clears throat> issue that is I'm going to see it close to the mic. Oh, yeah. another issue that's predominant in Ward 18 is the educational system, the uh, lack of policing. Uh, there's, a, for instance, there's a, a a police office in the fire station down in Morse Cove that was built specifically to house a police officer. And there has never been a police officer. Well, it's kind of interesting. I agree with you. I mean, what happened is that we're very short on police officers. Yes, I know. We bid districts around the city. And for some reason, your district is like a city. You have all the way up to Bishop Woods. Like, you go all the way to the North Haven border, all the way down to East Haven border. Mm -hmm. It's like five wards. And now, because we're so short on people, 
we no longer have 10 districts. There was a plan to do 12 districts to cut your district in half. And then they thought there wasn't the money or enough people. Now we don't have that many cops because fiscal conservatives like Jason want to make sure there's not enough money to hire enough. I'm just kidding, Jason. <laughs> they, they have the money. They haven't filled the positions. I was just teasing you. And um, with such a shortage, they actually have one district manager for the whole east side of the city. So the top district manager in Morris Cove is not only the same person that's in the same district in another neighborhood like Bishop Woods, Quinnipiac Meadows, but it's also a district manager for Fairhaven on the other side of the river. So you're saying your issues include lack of police protection. Mm-hmm. I take it you're against the expansion of the airport? Uh, uh, well, yes. And I'm very disappointed in the EPA report. And there are lots of groups. There are, well, there are two major groups that are working really hard on it. The one is, of course, Keep Tweed Small. Another one is 10,000 Hawks. Yeah, Hawks. I like that name. Yeah. And then uh, uh, what, what about education? What's your... Well, the, you know, That's an important issue. We yes, never talk about it. Board of Alders, I would say that the... Unite Here majority in 12 years has never said a word about anything about schools because it didn't have to do about with Yale. schools? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I, That's probably the best example of, yeah. of why you can't have a special interest yeah. group controlling 100%. Like when we've the reading come, thing happened... We've took, gone so far backwards. Well, what uh, it was is it took two non-Unite Here alders, Sarah Miller and Eli Saban, even though they're you know sympathetic, um, to actually make the policy changed when they wouldn't go to the science of reading, which is a stupid phrase for like sound out words again, which the whole country realized the whole other approach was completely proved wrong. And because of politics, we kept kids in the um, school to prison pipeline because we want to teach them how to read until it got forced. So that's a good example. Well, yes. and that, but, that, what, but what are your school issues? Well, I think um, most of the school issues have to do with the fact that many of third graders can't, they can't even read. Mm-hmm. Um, at a third grade level, the teachers are not receiving the kind of support from the community or the, most importantly, from the individuals who are supposed to be providing that support. They're, right now, I don't know if you noticed, um, the school budget is allegedly going Six to be... Months. Yeah, we wrote the story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, <noticed laughs> yeah, I, I ed- actually did. edited the story, so yeah, I did notice that. Um, so, Sh- Sharon, you know, you've been following local news. You've only been here three years, you told me. You came yeah, from Alameda yeah. County. Uh-huh. What brought you in New Haven? Oh, uh, to be closer to our children and our grandchildren. Very sweet. And, we and, have a... Ch- uh, our daughter, Melissa, is a um, nationally recognized jeweler, and she has stores in, in Brooklyn and has a, our first grandson... And then our son is up in Groton, Massachusetts, and we have an, a new grandson. And I think we're going to ask you to get you closer to the mic. Oh. That's very sweet. So are you retired? Did you I have, am. What I'm you, a what retired. Did what did I do? Yeah. Uh, well, it's probably best to ask what time of my life did I do it. That sounds great. <laughs> so you're someone who's interested in things and you're always I'm learning. A, I'm a career sh- chameleon. Okay. Um, I began as a nurse from UC Med Center in San Francisco where I was taught to be a change agent. And after that, I became one of the first pediatric nurse practitioners in the Bay Area in 1970. After that, after fighting for recognition with the medical profession, which was then mostly male, dominated male, um, and nurses were women, sometimes you'd run into a male nurse, but oftentimes they had been medics in Vietnam. Uh, I fought for our civil service to be recognized as a nurse practitioner. And as any big organization is, they, they would um, use us in the capacity, but not give us the title, nor, of course, remunerate, remun- I can't say it, re-money. <laughs> Remuneration. Yes, thank you. 
That's a tough one. I used to call it renumeration. <laughs> right. Like it's a number. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Which is wrong, right? And then after I, yes, it is wrong. But a- after that, I uh, contracted my time out doing physicals um, across, which was with a CHDP, which is Child Health and Disability Act for the state. So I worked with... Um, so you have a career paying attention to stuff in the public sphere and fighting for I change. I do. and then Because I've really been impressed that you have all this to say about New Haven. You've been here three years. Well, I've, I'm a good listener. Wow. So that's <laughs> kind of great to see someone like you involved in the well, political thank process. You. And, then, and then, of course, I became um, a business owner, small business owner, where we uh, did both... We sold both new and used children's clothing and also did parenting classes. And this was in the 70s, so wow. we had the Leche League meeting. We had a male child psychologist who did men's groups for fathers. And, and then wow. I didn't know what else to do with my life. And, and we're still 50 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. and, then, and then I went to law school at night. I worked all day, um, went to school all no- at I'm night. I'm getting exhausted listening to all this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I became a uh, divorce attorney in Oakland, California. Whoa. For 35 years and a certified family law practitioner. Wow. And I was involved in major organizations as leaders. What kind of? Uh, well, it was the uh, certified family law specialist group. That, uh, and you were there when the Panthers ran the city? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. When Elaine I was there. Brown got all that I money was, for the school and you and you got shot and all the crack yep, money. Yeah. Yep. I was there in 1964 at Berkeley. Oh, wow, for the so, free speech in yes. Savino? So well, you I've were been student? around for a while. <laughs> you were a student, the uh-huh. free speech walkout? Yep. yep. Wow. Well, did you participate? Uh, not really. That's I have okay. to say that I watched because I, I had come from a military family, and it was all pretty new to me. And but, when you look back at those pictures, don't they look all kind of clean cut with their ties and stuff? I know, I know. Okay, I feel like those were the hippies. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were going later. to, they're going to like a, an interview for a corporate job. <laughs> <laughs> that, came, that came later. <laughs> yeah. I know, that really did come later. It so, did. wow, you've been watching all this. I have. And now we got you in New Haven, not bad. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here, and I'm really happy to be involved in this, in this program, in this situation. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I have been doing a lot of things that have caused changes in people's lives um, as at each one of my careers. So I've been very public oriented and person oriented with yeah. divorces. You know, I was dealing with people not in the best times of their lives and dealing with all sorts of grieving issues and, mm-hmm. and children's issues and all, you name it. And, and I learned a lot and I was able to, one of the things that I think is really important for people to recognize is that you can transfer skills you're really only limited by what you think you can or cannot well, do. Well, it's so interesting because we're talking about being old or people. Yeah. Yeah, but in truth, that's the, that's the message for the younger generation now. Because at least, even though you did different things in your career, yeah. most people when we were growing up, you're supposed to go into a career, a profession. Now that's all out the window because of the way that industries are completely disrupted all the time because technology changes so fast. And that it's really people who know how to learn new things and have new skills to acquire who will succeed. That's why I tell young people because you don't have to know one thing you're doing 50 years or one company. You got to be able to do good stuff and learning how to do stuff and then you learn how to do new stuff, right? Like, it, a little bit like Jason. Yeah. It's not just it's not just learning how to do new things, but it's all recognizing that the old things that you do, you did, were very helpful to create who you are so that you can new, learn right. new things. All so, right. And that's... Sharon's a great example of the kinds of folks yeah, he was cavelling attracting, yeah. attracting to the party and attracting to get involved um i really look forward to her winning 
yeah. on March 5th. <laughs> Thank so you. You're going to be great. And we, we're talking about um, in, in New Haven, we care about who's on the Democratic Ward Committee because it does matter. Although you don't always hear about things like that in all cities and there. How many people is it, is it Jason? Because you had 15, one dropped out, but you added some more. I think we're at 17. Mm-hmm. I think we will probably finish with 14. We'll make it. Tell me That's about my that. guess. Oh, because they haven't yet all the put petitions in their petitions and stuff. Yeah. When do they do? They're due tomorrow at four o'clock. All right. You know, and the weather has not been conducive to going out yeah, it's at tough twenty time degrees of year to, to be doing this. <laughs> it's right. been really hard. So let me tell you about. Let me, tell me about Take Back New Haven. So I, I there was a little asterisk in my voice that didn't express when I said that it's been twelve years since anybody in an organized. You mean New way, Haven agenda? No, that's what you are. Yeah, but I'm saying I said it was 12 years since the last time an organized group tried to run for ward committee mm-hmm. and or alder. But actually, two years after Unite Here took over, there was a fledgling effort. It lasted about seven minutes. It was called Take Back New Haven. It was Michael Stratton, the guy you Stratton, were, who was sort of like the Trump of our era. He bought a, a seed. He used to then pay people to like say racist things about Tony Hart that he was really Chinese. And you remember that? And like, uh, okay, you don't remember all that. But anyway, he left six months later with like a drug crime thing anyway mm-hmm. he uh but he brought a lot of energy and he tried to organize these people along with a guy named doug house laden to challenge the unite here control of the city two years after they took control and they had a big rally saying take back new haven mm-hmm. and doug house laden was the organizer be careful to say that we're not anti-union because people like unions in new haven so they're careful to say what jason said we think unions are great and they do great things but you need to hear another view mm-hmm. five minutes into it stratton took the mic at their first coming out rally and just talk about how horrible unions were and how they're destroying the city and we got to kill the unions <laughs> that killed take back new haven well yeah mike had it no never nuance. i mean that he was a little bit uh brash and abrupt but he also but, said what out loud what people were privately saying have you learned from that or you're not gonna say out loud what well people i'm saying? a teamster so here's what i will say when were you a teamster i'm a teamster right now okay where do you work i work at ups in the morning oh yeah okay i load trucks so and i have a blue cup blue collar background i'm from a blue collar family so i'm a teamster and the role of the union is we have to have it in this country uh the teamsters got part-timers went from 15 dollars an hour to 21 dollars an hour they have the best benefits out of any you know union you know bar none um unions should have collective bargaining they should be uh trying to protect the working person. And they were also involved in politics. The Teamsters helped Richard and Nixon. They, they were with can, the mob. And they, they can did that whole be thing. involved in politics. Yeah. But should they control every lever of government in a city? Your town committee, which actually nominates and recruits people to run and gets people engaged in the process. You know, your board of alders, your city council, your mayor. You know, should they be trying to control every lever? Your planning and zoning. For their own objectives that's where i think you're you're a little bit on mission creep you're too far off mission and i think there needs to be a pushback to that so unions are great um in terms of trying to control everything you know we're now in a situation uh that we were in in 2011 in 2011 the stefano who was our mayor right had been in office for over 20 years and no, for 20 years yeah and okay. so Somebody needed to kind of stand up. He was controlling everything. Top and he, to and he retired because he saw the news were going he to push saw, him out the next he time. Saw, he saw what was coming. And so they served a purpose. 
And, you know, and that's why it was embraced. But now they've been kind of at the helm so and nobody else, is, nobody you, else can, is, is participating. So specifics you gave included being able to speak up in public. J. Warren Carter said it was when anyone earns the power, they inherit the good, bad, and the ugly. I think it's a good point. I think you're, you're, what you seem to be saying is that it's not that it's bad that they organized in one, but that other people should organize too. So you need a principle you're organizing around, and you're saying for specifics, you thought fiscal management needed to be challenged more, education I mean, you take needs my to be word, challenged more. I think even just look how, how the redistricting went. You took a, a, the Hill neighborhood needs leadership, needs support, okay? Ward 6 was probably the strongest ward uh, in the Hill, and it's now because diluted. It had, because it had. It's diluted. The, it's it's, it's well, they gentrification. The right. Now you have like... Folks that are getting on the train, they're paying $3,500 a month for a two-bedroom or a one-bedroom, are in the six. Like, they, they replace half the You're talking about the, the new luxury housing I'm downtown. I'm talking about the wit. I'm talking about, you know, we have now Worcester Square. Uh, we have uh, the Congress Avenue. Okay, apartments. I'm going to ask a dumb question. Because we all know there's gerrymandering, and the real reason they redraw those lines partly is because they want to stay in power personally and will draw stupid lines so that their friend is in or they're still in. I'm not sure that happened with Ward 6. Like, I also know it's a hard process. Our population moved east. Our population grew. All the growth was east. So they had to draw lines. And we saw examples where, like with Fairhaven, it made no sense. They were chopping up and adding little parts of other neighborhoods because they wanted to have a friend still in the ward rather than have it be contiguous. I'm not sure I saw that with Ward 6. I didn't see. Well, we'll see. Well, what do you think? Why do you think they added those? Down? Gonna, I thought. I'm gonna, I thought because population I, I think it's grew. a problem. I'm not going to. I mean, somebody I'm has to have those people. Who, but the, the, somebody has to have those new housing developments where people don't yeah, really absolutely. care about the city. Why, the why, why, why are they, they absorbed into seven? their? Why aren't they? Why would we take Worcester Square? It makes absolutely no sense to me. I agree with that. Um, but why would? But it's some of the other ones downtown, like it's a little tricky. I can understand the one Union across Avenue. from Tower One, Tower. You always East. had Tower One, Tower East, which yeah. really was so, downtown. So that's fine, and that that little part. But it was it was definitely gerrymandered, and it was definitely putting in three sixty and and Olive Street uh, in the ward, and you totally well, taking yeah, out the neighborhood. Yeah. I'm sorry, you know. But I Tower walk, One's not the neighborhood. I was walking. Well, they have issues, though. They're senior citizens. They need right, strong they need representation. representation. I'm saying why it had to be Ward 6. You just changed the subject. Why did it have to be Ward 6? I, I don't I have why no idea. Why shouldn't it be I Ward think, 6? Yeah. Listen, I, I, I don't understand the leadership of the ward. Um, they're out there supporting, giving uh, APT part of Long War for, for nothing. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand this fascination with Olive Street. I, I don't understand a lot of it. It is what weird. I do it know is, is when I'm, when I'm walking on doors, yeah. people are concerned about drugs in the neighborhood. Um, people are concerned about crime in the neighborhood, and we don't have a lot of strong leadership. So why didn't you do an alder slate? Do you think it begins with town shares? I, I don't. I don't listen. I, I have friends that are alders. Um, that's not. This is not about taking out anyone. Mm-hmm. This is about bringing people into the process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know, Sharon, it, whether she likes her alder or not, or anyone else that's on the slate likes her alder or not. That's actually not why people are running. I think people are running because Sharon has the experience to make a difference in this city. Yeah. And so she's stepping up. And I think there's 14, 15 other people. And we definitely salute that. We salute everyone yeah. getting involved. And we're not, and, and I'm well, certainly let's talk not about, Let's talk about Ward 18. You had an alder there who fled the scene of a DUI. Didn't take responsibility until someone discovered who he was. 
was protected by the police against one of his own constituents, and people make mistakes, right? He never apologized. Never said, I'm sorry, I crashed into your car, I left the scene and tried to hide it, and then never got arrested for breaking the law. Do you think that what you're doing now has anything to do with the lack of accountability there? Yes, we're trying to address the lack of accountability. I mean, I th and I think that's a, a good one big example. I don't know if Sharon, that's your ward, but you know. Well, I think I think it was a um, people make mistakes, and yeah. he certainly made a very large one. And you're right. I mean, I have no. I have no information as to whether or not he apologized or not. No, no, I, I he has a statement that never said he was sorry. He blamed people oh, okay. for being hard I, on him because he was sick. I, I really feel that I can't respond to that. It's not my, I don't feel like I can. It's not, I'm not here to bad you mouth stay anybody. Positive. And so I'm, I'm here to really tell you why I want to run and what I think I can do. But I do want to say that I think that the election that was held in November was indicative of my ward's desire for change. You know, we had 50% of the voters come out to vote, which was pretty outstanding. And, and you know, the older one, only by 40% of the vote. And it wasn't, it was by I mean, plurality. with 40% because the opponents split it. Right. Which was very weird. Yeah. Well, there was that, you know, so he won by plurality, not by, you know, being, not by getting more than 50%. Hey, ranked choice voting, what do you folks think about that? I'm sorry, say what? Ranked choice voting. I'm for it. Yeah. Just wondering. Yeah, I love, I love ranked choice voting. So what about um, the issue of the role of parties? So New Haven has had a big rise like the rest of the country in people who don't sign up with parties. So the Democratic Party still controls everything. So ward chair is very important because mm -hmm. often who's ever chosen as the ward as the party's candidate becomes the victor in the general election. But we now have like... I think it's nine times as many or eight times as many independents as we have Republicans, unaffiliated candidates. And people in general don't work for parties the way they used to. The party has a lot less power. So even though a ward chair gets to vote at a convention, we don't, we don't have, even though Unite Here controls things, it doesn't usually deliver. Like a New Havener was running for a state, a Secretary of State, and we went to a convention, and they couldn't pull the votes United as a city for her. And... Even now, the party's not even endorsing candidates in these ward committees. So well, there's kind of a feeling that the party is in this party. little Wizard of Oz. Is well, it a little Wizard of Oz now that, <laughs> that the party doesn't have the power it used to? That they just Listen, it's feeling? 20 to 1 Democrat to Republican. Just about but you're leaving the out state. the independents. I understand. Okay. But they're not putting up a slate ordinarily. Um, but my question is, it, is, it, is it, but it makes sense to bypass the Democratic Party and just do independent politics, build an independent organization. Because you have some people here who are some pretty Republican. There, there are people who are going to do that. There are people who are going to do independent. They're qualified to get their own town committee. And oh, really? And they've submitted bylaws to do to Oh, do really? What party that. is that? The Independent Party. Oh, is that the statewide Independent Party? No. Goldenberg was on the independent line, so they now can form their own town committee in town. Oh, that's interesting. Are they going to decide who they are? Because they used to be this right-wing anti-abortion group. Then they well, had to kind of split to on a local level. Each each town. And then they had a big decide. lawsuit between each other. They had a convention where the chairman of the state last time decided he can vote twice to get his candidate in. And then they had a lawsuit. Yeah. Is this kind of a mess, or are they going to be anything? <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not involved with the no, leadership of the you, state. But you, with the you state, organized I, an independent party event for Dom Goldenberg. I the organized the Club. independent party here in the city, actually. Yeah. You know why? Because I think there needs to be more than one party. So I'm running you, for the, the Democratic Party, but I do think, and I am a Democrat, 
and I support Democrats. I have. I was co-chair Hillary Clinton's presidential. I campaign. remember that you brought that. Okay, so I've it, done. Uh, Lucy Mc, what's her name? Lucy McGrath. She brought to the hill to Ward Six. Um, I brought the HUD secretary. Uh, but remember the, the the violent the women who lost kids yes. to gun violence. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I've I've have deeply enmeshed in the Democratic Party, right? However, you have to have more than one voice in a community to get good mm -hmm. results. So there, nobody's... So you're trying to be a Democrat on some weeks so and independent be, of the others? <laughs> <laughs> so there should be, uh, there should be choice. Mm -hmm. We're trying to give choice right now, okay? And there needs to be choice so in within, the general election. You so sometimes you're trying to push for voice within I'm going to tell you, party, as an African-American, yeah. African-Americans are frustrated. Yeah. Right, people of color, yeah, what's happen with black Biden and brown now? people are very frustrated. Why? Because they're only given what the party gives them, yeah. which is why we're running. Okay, the Democratic Town Committee gives you a candidate, and now you're not happy with the candidate. What are you supposed to do? You're not going to run. You're not going to run to the Republican party. The Democrats are definitely bleeding black and Latino support for mm -hmm. the. You know, Trump is getting a lot more support than he than Republicans usually have. What's that going to mean nationally? I think it's a problem. It's going to be a big problem because there's going to be an independent either. Robert Kennedy, Cornell West. West Cornell, isn't going to get on balance, I don't think. Well, we'll see. I think Kennedy will. We'll see. How's West going to get on balance? What if he, what if he only party? gets on 20 ballots? It depends and, which ballots. Okay. Does he get on Michigan he, and Nevada and well, Pennsylvania? Yes, do, we, yeah. we know from Florida, we know from Ohio. And this, yeah. you, know, you don't need a lot of votes to, to, to change an election. So the Democratic Party has to be energized. People in the party have to be energized for their candidates. Yeah. You don't get energy by not having competition. Yeah. You don't get energy by being lazy. You don't get energy um, through an auto autocratic system, whether it's the Trump way of doing autocracy or an organizational way of giving autocracy. It does not work. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's kind of a good way. Do you want to add anything, Sharon? I know that Jason and I went, anything else you'd like to say about it? <laughs> I don't really know. I was, I've just been watching you two. <laughs> I thought, okay. Well, I have to tell you, e easily, Jason is one of my favorite people to talk to in New Haven. Well, I can't he's say so that I blame you. He's so interesting. He has so yeah. many things going on. He, and he's, he's a really exceptional man. Yeah, and it's yeah. so much fun to... I, can, I can see that and you know, when he gets when he not gets knocked down, he stands back up. Yep. He and doesn't feel sorry for himself. It, well, yeah. yeah, he shouldn't. He's really, he's really a great Jason. guy, and yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that everything's going to go our way, and that Jason will be running because well, he'll make a great, great co-chair. Well, thanks for bringing competition to New Haven. Thanks for coming on Dateline New Haven. Jason Bartlett, Sharon Brass, two of the maybe fourteen, maybe seventeen people running for town committee chairs under the New Haven Agenda banner. Thanks for coming on the air. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. And thanks to Harry Jones working the controls. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night at WNHH New Haven's home for community radio. <laughs>